HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, heritagefoodsusa.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, this is Greg Blaze. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curry, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Cutting the Curd is one word. It's Monday, March 9th. Feels a lot like spring here in New York. It's also, also the day after uh, daylight savings, which has basically turned me into a zombie. I have no idea what's going on right now. I'm exhausted. Um, but I am very, very excited to have Lark Gilmer Smotherman on the line today. How are you today, Lark? I'm doing great and basking in the sun in glorious Montana. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we, we just rediscovered the sun in New York City. It was awesome. I, I had forgotten about it for a while. My life had become very gray, uh, but um, I'm glad that it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just Yeah, it's nice and balmy here in Montana. So, yeah, we've had an, an unusual bit of warm weather, so it's been great. That's nice. And you also have a lack of humans in Montana. Um, and we feel like uh, you know. You, <laughs> I think we reached a million people, though. Hey, congratulations! Not too long ago. I think yeah, I walked by a million people getting here today. So uh, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's the, the exact opposite. But I want to really thank you for coming on today. Uh, Lark is the shepherd and owner of Poor Orphan Creamery in uh, in Larray, Montana, and Larray is a sort of a bastardization of the actual French pronunciation of the hamlet that it used to be. That's correct. Is it? Is it not? It's the pronunciation in French is a little different, right? Yep, absolutely. That's correct. It's spelled Lauren, but it's pronounced Lorray because it was originally founded by a Quebecois yep. uh, back at turn of the century when there used to be like ten thousand people living here yeah. during the gold rush, and now we're down to ten. Jesus, I'm a I'm a Quebecois. That's my dad. So you know, I can I can try to send some family members out there if you want. You know, we, we can bump okay, that number go. up. <laughs> so you Wonderful. you are the um, uh, a pioneer in so many ways. Uh, the first, you have opened up the first cheap dairy, and you are the first artisan cheese manufacturer in Montana. That's correct, is it not? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. 
it took um, some heavy lifting to convince the state to allow us to do Montana's first portable milking parlor. And then, of course, to be Montana's first sheep dairy was um, kind of unusual for really a beef state. So, um, yeah, we've done a lot of firsts for the state, but they've been behind us 100%, and it's been a good relationship, and they've been very supportive. Well, that's fantastic, yes. And I also I had forgotten to mention that you um, also opened the first grade A portable milking parlor in the state as well. That's a lot of work, man. Congratulations. That's really awesome. I, I really, I yeah, really think that's awesome. Yeah, it's nothing short of biblical. I know. I read that. I so I, I read your short bio, um, and I but love. We are there at last, hurrah! Yeah, so, you made it, baby. Yeah, you made fantastic. it. Fantastic! It's, it's wonderful to be making cheese. It is. I, I uh, when I read your bio on your website, uh, I loved one of the things you said on there. Uh, you said that in Basque country, you discovered that sheep can be milked, and it makes the most glorious cheese, which I agree with. My personal favorite cheeses are made of sheep's milk. Um, an epiphany of many that have forged a life in the fragile spaces all in all weathers, creating something that is very much heaven sent. That's a really awesome quote. And uh, I've been lucky enough to travel through the Pyrenees Mountains. I haven't been there in 20 years. Um, but I love the cheeses that come from uh, from that region, you know, both French uh, well, mostly the French, but in the Spanish part as well. But there's just something about the texture and the flavor and the rind and the color and the whole – just the whole style and also the way that the, the cooperative shepherds worked together, which I – when after I had returned from uh, Basque country, you know, I – and I started working with cheese uh, shortly thereafter. Just how the recipes are passed down and uh, how the milk gets divided up. I just thought the whole place was really magical and cool. So uh, I imagine you think the same thing, thinking, you know, or along those same lines, uh, given the bio that you wrote on your website. Yeah, and, and just um, having a culture over there that supports um, the artisanal food practice. You know, every family has a land-based practice of some sort, and just the way that they caretake the the mountains, and they each town supports a farm to make sure that they have local food. So they they really have some practices that go way back to medieval times. You know, that have supported that culture and shored it up, and and uh, created this incredible food culture um, that's handcrafted. And um, going over there, everyone would ask me. Uh, which I thought was really an unusual introduction, but they would ask me what my goal was. They would right. sit me down at their big farm table, and um, I just thought that was a wonderful lead-in um, and so gracious and generous on their part. And they took me in, showed me their craft, shared their stories with me, and um, allowed me to make cheese with them. And um, it was a it was a great experience. No, that's that's amazing. I like I understand that too um, because. It really lets you know how important it is. Uh, what what you're doing um, is as in, they just want to make sure that what you're doing is as important as what they're doing on some level, you know. And uh, that, I I love that. I love that uh, when people take things that seriously, but not in, a, in an aggressive way or a, or a negative way. But they just you know, it's like I I always view cheese making and the jobs that 
that we do, and I love I love what I do. Uh, it destroys me sometimes, and then it rebuilds me all the time, you know. But but it's um it's the, we 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 support this way of life that is absolutely leaving this earth, and uh, it's up to people like that and people like you um, to keep those traditions uh, alive. I feel so when uh, when when you. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I mean, I do feel like I've been charged with this responsibility, this legacy of paying it forward, you know, kind of passing it along. And one of the unseen um, value that I hadn't considered at the beginning of this was the educational piece, you know, kind of being the piper in our rural Montana when the kids come to town and and really opening their eyes to um, what we do all the way from the ground through to the finish product, and you can really see them looking at food completely different. And so that is a real, that has become a real important side to what we do. So it's really not just about the cheese, per se, it's really about the teaching of it as well. No, it's a lifestyle. Look, we're having a tiny bit of scratchiness talking to you, so I'm going to take a really, really short break. Um, because I really am interested in what you want to, you know, what you're talking here, and I feel like I could go from for a long time asking you these these questions. <laughs> so, so we're just going to take All a right. tiny break, and we're going to call you right back. Take care. Lark, we're back. How are you? You sound so much better. You too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, where were we? I I feel like um, uh, what you what you said was uh, so poignant, and uh, and I and I and I, even though I never met you, I feel like I know you because I think of things that way as well. Um, So that the segue into what we I was going to ask you. You were speaking of uh, you know you you were at the table and this. You know, the shepherds were kind of making sure that you were on the level, you know, and you wanted to, you know, that you were worthy of the milk and worthy of the craft, and uh, which I'm sure you, you took, to, took to heart. And now you have your own creamery called Poor Orphan. And I was wondering if you could tell me, uh, because I feel it has to do with the, um, the thing you were saying right at the end before we got cut off uh, about taking younger children and explaining to them that circle of agricultural life. And I feel like maybe the name of your dairy might have something to do with that. Um, um, yeah, in a way it does. It really speaks to community um, here in Luray. Um, the town founders actually never had any children of their own, and they ended up raising 18 children um, off the land here. Um, they were incredibly generous, and so it's really focusing on that piece, that, that piece of generosity um, that is inherent really in the community here and throughout the Ruby Valley of Montana. Um, that generosity of all my neighbors, for example, um, who have ranches around, have 
allowed us to graze our sheep through as weed and fire control um, um, at, a, at, a, at literally next to nothing <laughs> cost. That's great. Because we have a weed eradication law here in Montana that's kind of expensive. So it's a really great way of working together. It's a win-win for both of us, and then we get to produce this incredible product. So it really speaks to the generosity um, of, the, of the town founders and then really to the whole community um, where I live. Without them, this would have never happened. <laughs> that's fantastic. So. Uh, that's a great story about. So the sheep uh, are the sheep aren't actually are they not your sheep? Are they are they are, they, are you using milk from uh, from from neighboring farms sheep to make uh, to make your cheeses or? Or are they well, all my yours? Icelandic sheep. They're really a perfect breed for uh-huh. Montana, and they're very, um, my flock anyway, is really friendly. So oh, yeah. for an educational too, when people come in, they just fall in love with the flock, and they're just so easy to be with. Um, and my ICs are pretty big producers for that breed. And then um, I also offer. Uh, during the shoulder months, outside yeah. of the sheep milking season, I purchased milk from the prison dairy in Deer Lodge. Oh, wow. Um, and back in the day, you know, there used to be small dairies every 20 miles, um, but but now they're further and farther afield. Yeah. So uh, Deer Lodge is about an hour and a half away from us, and it's the only processing plant where I can actually purchase cream for our triple creams. And they're wonderful to work with. They have uh, 35,000 acres of the most pristine Montana pasture, um, and their milk is is wonderful. And so it's kind of an exciting, again, collaboration um, uh, between like-minded um you know, dairy people yeah. to produce a really good product. So right now we are using their cow milk um, to make cow milk cheeses. Uh, that's fantastic. Like, uh, uh, yeah. You're making me want to move uh, to Montana, especially because I've had a crappy winter here and people have been on top of me. So I feel like Montana <laughs> is this beautiful place with not a lot of people, well-tended animals, and good, uh, you know, and good agricultural practices. Uh, that's uh, even though I've never been there, I'm like one of those terrible people that just has goes from coast to coast. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm like Montana. It's in the middle of somewhere. I know. I know the shape of it from the map that I was given when I was, you know, it was geography class. But actually, I have a really good friend uh, who's from there that wants to. Uh, that he's moving back out there to uh, to work with animals and uh, to work with food uh, because he came out to work here with uh, with me a long time ago. Uh, worked with me at Dean and Deluca, and then uh, decided that. He uh, had had enough of New York, but he learned enough about food or the end product of food that he realized um, where he was from was the base from where a lot of uh, the things that we sell here come from, which I think is an interesting, um, although backwards, way to learn how to do everything. Um, <laughs> well, you should take your show on the road. I would love to take my show and on the road. Here. <laughs> <laughs> and you could do it live from Montana. I'll, I will. I will. I, I, I'm down. I just got to get uh, to get a heritage to sponsor me. But uh, Jack's in the booth there, and he just uh, he's laughing at me through the uh, through the glass. So um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to have to do a little fundraiser for that one. But um, I wanted to ask you, what was your like? So so you went and you 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 were in Basque country, uh, and you and you met these gentlemen. But what was your personal journey to becoming 
a shepherd and cheesemaker, and also like logistically, how did you learn the nuts and bolts of raising sheep and making cheese? Because a lot of folks dream of doing what you're doing, but could you tell us a bit about the practical aspects of how you got there? Like how did you fund your creamery and what sort of challenges did you encourage, did you encounter and you are you encountering as you attempt to grow? How much time do we have? As much time <laughs> as you want, my friend. So um, just try to try and get it in a nutshell. Um, I have forged two practices um, kind of parallel. One was a commercial photography practice, which uh-huh. I forged in, in England and Europe is where I got my start. And then I also had an interest in, in sheep. And people go, well, how did you get interested in sheep? And, and really the, the answer to that is that um, no one actually chooses this practice. Um, you're really called to it. And I that's really the best way to say it. Um, um, and so while I, w- while I was doing the photography practice, I was searching out shepherds, you know, wherever I was doing a shoot or something like that and would engage with them. And sheep people are the most generous people in the world. And so there was Why do you time think that is? show me their, their way of doing things. And um, where I was living at the time, my flatmate, I was in Oxford, my uh-huh. flatmate happened to be uh, the son of the head cheese guy in Europe, which was Major Patrick Rantz. And, He's written um, a book or two that people have heard of. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure lots of cheese people have his tomes on their coffee table, as I do. Um, Amazing stuff. But um, that was really my first introduction into artisan and farmstead cheeses, yeah. is, um, being a sole American in the flat. I'd get invited to everyone's house for the holidays. That's awesome. And, and their house was incredible, right next to the cheese shop in Streetly. Uh-huh. And he'd give us a plate, open the door, and just say, you know, go pick out your cheese. And then it was to his delight when we brought the cheese back in, he would then, you know, gleefully see what we had on our plate and then go into the narrative of the cheesemakers that the cheese represented. And at the same time, I was you know, connected with uh, shepherds and sheep people in, in England yeah. um, as well. And so it was, you know, it's been an interesting past that I've had, like, the photography, the um, introduction to the uh, cheesemongering side and then yeah. the sheep. And then it wasn't until I got to the Basque country that um, all the shepherds there made their own cheese and I had my little epiphanal moment. Right. Um, and that's where all the roads came together because in the United States, um, it's really hard to pencil it out with just sheep alone. And the value-added piece of the cheese really helps make it possible. Absolutely. And I also knew from having lived abroad that you needed to have the land for next to nothing. Um, real estate out in Montana is like 17,000 an acre, so wow. really... <laughs> Economically, it doesn't pencil out that way. So we had to do the exchange for the weed and fire control in order to make that happen. That was a great trade-off on your part. Yeah, it really was a win-win. And um, I'm not sure how many other states have that as part of their um, um, their law, but it certainly helped. It helped us um, uh, get the pasture that we needed. 
And where Luray sits, we're actually surrounded by land trust pastures, so it's it's been a perfect uh, location it's, it's for it. It's not going away. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, there. I understand what you mean there. That's that, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And then, um, you know, then I started shadowing cheesemakers, um, finding cheesemakers that were really good at their craft, and then just, you know, working for free um, with them to learn. The craft from them, and it's a very similar path to what I did as a photographer. I would apprentice with professional shooters all over the world, and that's how I learned my photography practice. Um, and you know, then um, uh, as far as the parlor goes, because we didn't actually own land, the the parlor had to be portable. And the state actually got behind us. The state of Montana has a Growth Through Agriculture grant, um, and they awarded us three grants, um, one for the parlor, one for the construction, and another one for equipment um, that really helped get us going. Um, And um, since then, we've also received other grants from the federal government for solar uh, power, um, because the utility cost can go through the roof, and it's tough to dial it in at first. And so that's always been that's been really helpful. So a lot of people like what we're doing. Um, well, they like yeah. that we're doing it here in Montana, and they've they've been uh, giving us the grant opportunities to start. Well, what's great about that is that you know, as as a cheesemonger. You know, customers. You know, I'm, I'm at the I'm at the very end of a large funnel. You know, and right. <laughs> uh, uh, and and uh, I'm the guy that that stands there and says, "Yes, that piece of cheese cost you twelve dollars and fifty cents, and yes, it was thirty six dollars a pound." And and people don't really understand the costs, the hidden costs, you know, or the or or the things that or the work that like people that. Like someone like you is obviously you guys have done the work. You search, you you found the money. You got the federal government to give you the money. You got the state government to give you the money, and you worked with the with the agriculture that was already there. And you did that also that you could survive and be sustainable and protect your way of life, which is why again I uh, I really uh, I really enjoy uh, to talk to you about that sort of thing. That's a uh, and that's the really the only way to do it, right? I mean, otherwise. You can't it, – it, the cheese just becomes too expensive. The whole process just becomes so, so expensive if you don't take advantage of those grants and of that money that's available to you. That's correct. And, you know, that land piece really makes it not doable sometimes for people and who really want to do the practice. And, and that's – yeah, it really comes down to trying to shave as much as you can you have in to. certain areas just to be able to do agriculture. You so, have to find the money. Yeah. There is money out there. It's hidden. You know what I mean? But, but there is money or there is ways to save that, that it's hidden. Or at least that's just my cynical view of the, you know, <laughs> of the world, you know. Uh, I always feel uh, – I've always felt in my life that everybody, everybody's always trying to take away everything that, that, I, that I love and, that, that, and that's good. And so, uh, so I try to fight for it, you know. So, but you're obviously you – know, you're, you, you were like, no, these are just good ideas. You weren't like, yeah, screw you. I got that money. <laughs> yeah, I tell people I'm a little bit of a border collie and a Jack Russell. Uh, uh, I used to say that the project, getting it off the ground, was epic. But now I say biblical 
difficult because it really <laughs> conveys what it takes. You know, you can't, there are so many regulations that are in place for a reason, and it's hard to really navigate them. Most people would cry uncle and and stop. And you I really think that's the whole be, point of half of those regulations is like. Yeah, it, you have to really not take no for an answer. Yeah. And part of the presentation is, you know, getting so many people on board and, and also educating them on yeah. the process. Um, because where I am, there aren't that many cheesemakers. Right. Um, and there aren't that many dairy people. So. No, have, people want that beef cattle out there. And that it's not scary. Right. And it is. And it is scary so, to a lot of people. It's uh which is funny to me as as I've worked with cheese for so, so long, how not scary it is to me, how how just ass backwards something like is that it's that it's it's completely acceptable practice to jam massive amounts of live animals into a stockyard, <laughs> chop them up in less than optimal conditions, and then sell those out. You know, rife with they, they were they, you know what I mean, rife to de- with disease. But you spoil your milk, then you salt it and protect it so that that, that it doesn't even need a damn refrigerator. But they don't, that, but that frightens people. You know what I mean? Like that's something that they don't understand. So that's my little, uh, my little rant, uh, rant <laughs> well, for the you know, day. And partly it's because we're like two generations removed from that practice. Yeah. You know, and and I think this next generation coming in has really showed a passion for connecting to the land and gaining I some agree. of those practices back. We get a lot of woofers and interns coming through, you know, who are like in their twenties who really want to connect um, and and know that they're missing. That piece, they get the you know the human connection, but it's really important to connect to the land too. And so um, uh, we get a lot of. You're familiar with woofers, right? Um, I am not. I'm. I'm. I'm I, uh, talk, talk to me about that. I may be um, a f- familiar with oh, okay. it, but this I just don't know it by that name. It's all over the world. It's called the Worldwide Organization of Organic Farmers, and I hope I've said that correctly. But it's W W O O F. And, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. So we have an organic practice. Our farm is on there, and anyone, and they have organizations in every country. So if you want to go work at, on a vineyard in Argentina, You're there. you just go onto the Argentina website. Yeah. And basically, I, um, the woofers that I've received are kind of jaded corporate climbers from New York City. <laughs> you got to work those people to <laughs> death, babe. Who want just... to reconnect with the land. Yeah. And um, <laughs> they take three months off, sometimes two weeks. Yeah. And, and they come out and they work a minimum of 35 hours with us in exchange for room and board. And um, I've just been really, really blessed. I mean, they've been no, that's awesome. people with these amazing backgrounds in right. education. And you know, they come to the farm really not knowing anything about livestock or farming or milking or anything. And yet... Uh, we troubleshoot all the time, right? There's always something that goes wrong. And sure. they bring their practice, and we come up with this really amazing creative solution that, you know, without them probably would have never happened. And so... That's all, um, that's, yeah, that's yeah, great. It's just and a, free labor know, is the best. To, you know, Asian acupuncturists and yeah. um, just a really wealth of backgrounds. So it's a really great organization. Um and then we also get interns from the colleges yeah. and and um, through NCAT, which is the National Center of Alternative Technologies, uh-huh. um, as well, also has an organization that um, um, connects people. 
You need free labor. You need minions. Uh, when I've trained, I, well, you need minions. <laughs> you can never have enough minions. You can never have enough minions. <laughs> There's always something to do. It, it, well, the thing is, so for, for cheesemongers, like I said, at the other end of that funnel and in smaller places, when I used to run the Bedford Cheese Shop, I was, we were a tiny, tiny little cheese shop in, in Williamsburg. It's much better and bigger place now. But when I was at, when it was in my stead, I would get – um, people coming in all the time, and they'd be like, "Well, can we just hang out in here?" And be like, "Hell yeah! Sweep that floor, wrap that cheese, do this." <laughs> you know what I mean? And you get a lot, but they learned, and a, I found a lot of those people. They stayed with it somehow, you know, they, because they got to touch and handle the food. You know, I don't know how many uh, of uh, you know the corporate. Uh, how many of the people of the executives that came out there to work with you and then found themselves, uh, you know, elbow deep inside a sheep one day? I don't know if they if they <laughs> if they if they, they want to if they went back and did that. But it's a great learning process. And the problem is, is that when you are working for a a larger corp, see that's great that on the on the on the farm side and then, then on the on the cheese making side uh, that you can get uh, that you can get supported to have that that kind of labor um, in places like where where I work they're so concerned about the liability of someone nicking themselves with a slicer or bumping into a door that I can't get that free labor as easily as I could have because you know we're so litigious as a society now uh, but that was my that was my, the end of my second rant so I'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, there's always those concerns, you know, and I, I tell people, you know, it's, stuff is going to happen. It is. You know, it's, it's, it's egg, you know, just be prepared for anything. And I think they like that. I think it's good it, for people. You know, um, it reconnects people with reality, you know, uh, with uh, sitting in front of a, uh, of a desk and a computer all day is not reality. You know, what you do is real. You know, you're out there working with your hands. And, yeah, maybe you will sprain your ankle or you'll get kicked by an animal or something. Something will happen. But whatever, you know, that's life, right? I mean, you, got, you have so many more rewards so on many a daily more. basis, you know, where, you know, you're, you know, especially during lambing. You know, there's yeah. so many things that happen. And you you can actually make a difference with that in that animal that's beautiful with that animal and the shepherding practice alone you you're outside and you're you're a land steward not just an animal steward um and every day there's some kind of um urgent <laughs> need yeah. you know i would imagine um, so and um you just don't have that in um in any other job, at least that I've had in in in, in corporate America, um, and it's it's and I I guess my my life is a little bit different in that I I have a lot of connection to Mother Nature, you know, and very little connection to humans, um, and so my pendulum uh, has kind of swung the other direction, and so I get my my human connections at the farmers markets, you know, talking with you, and then yeah. you know the interns that come to us. But but the window through which you see the world are the animals and the products that they make and then and that whole life, which I totally respect. Look, we're going to have to take one more short break, but I want to talk to you about your upcoming workshop and about the kind of cheeses you make. So just hang out with me for a little while longer, and we'll be right back on Cutting the Curd. Sounds good.
Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, before the break, we were talking with Lark of Poor Orphan Creamery, and we still will be. Now, I'd love to talk a little bit more about your cheeses and also about your upcoming cheese-making workshop. Uh, maybe we can start out with that. Um, you can tell us a little bit about what that's going to be all about. Well, Michael Kalish is coming and giving a workshop on uh, we're going to do three cheeses in three days. So it's a real cheese-making intensive. It's uh-huh. a perfect workshop for somebody who thinks they want to do this practice. And it, you'll, So you'll be able to get your hands in the vat. You'll be the one pouring the milk in, going through the whole process. A lot of cheese workshops that I've, I've been to in the past, you know, most of the time the milk is already in the vat. And I think it's so important for people to actually experience the whole process so they really know what it takes, you know, and um, from start to end. And that includes all the cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> so, because um, they say, you know, uh, cheese making is 95% washing. And yes, it's so it is. True. I've um, scrubbed out some vats so, in my day. And my, So that's happening on March 27th through the 30th. Um, and... Um, we have a little social gathering here in Luray, Friday happy hour, and then we hit the ground running at 8 o'clock Saturday and Sunday and Monday um, with making three different cheeses. So it's a really good experience. And um, the three cheeses we're making are Fontina, Tellagio, and then the Latix set um, cheeses, the starting fromage with Fromage Blanc. Blanc. So, um yeah, it'll be great, and then you'll get to be in Montana and do all the stuff that we do with us. That sounds so, fantastic. How do people, if, if someone wanted to sign up for the workshop, um, how would they find out about it? They just Google uh, Poor Orphan Creamery, or is there a particular way or a, num- a phone number they should call or anything uh, just to get, you know, to, to get in touch with you? Well, there are three ways to do it. Um, the first one is through brown paper tickets. If they go online and punch in cheeseworkshop.brownpapertickets.com, uh, you'll see the workshop there, and they can buy their tickets online. Um, they can email me at pocreamery at gmail.com, um, and they can also call the creamery here, which is uh, 406 842 7100. Um, um, and, you know, flights from New York, they're, I don't think they're that expensive right no. now, are they? No one's going to Montana, <laughs> babe. No one's going out there. We can get out there cheap. 
but I'm uh, yes, yes. <laughs> also, um, also, yeah, so we're we're going to start doing these on a more regular basis. And yeah. Michael Kalish has an incredible background. He kind of paralleled mine. He was in Italy. I was in France. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about Michael and uh, and uh, what you know who he is and uh, how how. Uh, he and, he and his brother, all his brother. He has a twin brother named Charlie. Um, but and, and they they're in business together, uh-huh. um, and they're incredibly handsome guys too, by the way. But they also um, started a business as a dairy consultant. You know, kind of combining their practice into a business. So they teach classes. They also um, design cheeses for other cheesemakers, and they also. Uh, focus on like HACCP programs, sanitation uh, for dairies. Um, they're, uh, These are the guys you need to know. Actually, thirdworldcheese.com. Third world cheese. But he used to be an offiner for artisanal in New York City too for a while. And um, so when was he, that? When was he? When was he at artisanal? Only because I also worked there. Uh, but oh, right. I, you know, I don't know what his 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 years were there. I don't know the year. I was way back in the beginning. Uh, we we I opened that I opened up the artisanal uh, the artisanal um, um, sell, sellers, but it, that was a crazy job. I didn't uh, I couldn't <laughs> I, I couldn't work twenty hours a day uh, yeah. uh, for the, for at that time. Um, I also probably wasn't as committed as uh, as this gentleman. But um, he also worked for one of my some of my favorite people from her. They worked for Luigi Gofanti, right uh, down there up, up in Arona, and uh, and he worked for Hervé Mons, and he's. Uh, and you know he's on the he 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 works with the ACS. That's great. This is a, this sounds like a great workshop that people can benefit. You know a lot from coming uh, yep. to learn how to make make cheese with this guy and you. We we had him out um, just before the creamery opened and uh, to do an affinage class, and we were packed uh, with cheesemakers from the four surrounding states, which was kind of amazing. That's great. Um, and here at our little ghost town of Luray, and um, yeah, and he he's a wonderful instructor. So I'm really excited to have him back. Well, I encourage everybody to check that out, and uh, if you can get out to Montana or you're anywhere near Montana, you know, hot air balloons, trains, cars, <laughs> whatever you got to do, you, you just get out there and uh, learn how to make some cheese. Uh, I haven't been to a cheese-making workshop in way too long. I probably know less than less now than I did than I did at the beginning, which kind of kind of makes me sad. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay because I still get a lot of good cheese. So uh, I really want you also to tell us, you know, we've talked so much about um, your experience, and, uh, and I really, really love your story, and I've enjoyed our conversation. Just it's, it's very obvious to me uh, the passion you have for what you do and all of the decisions you made that have led you to where you are are, are well thought out, and you, you're doing things the right way. So at the end of that, um, you have these things. They're called cheeses. So maybe uh, you can tell us a little bit about the cheese you make and uh, where we can find it. Well, our signature sheep milk cheese is called Clover because the love is in the middle of it. Uh-huh. And um, it's a spin-off, the Oso Irati, the Basque, French Basque oh, wow. cheese. Um, and then I also do, um, and that's a raw milk cheese that that's we eat for a minimum of five months. And then I do a chev style with a sheep milk um, and called O Adeline, named after our our founder here in Luray. And, uh-huh. um, you know, sheep milk as a chev is just delicious. Um, and then I whip it and make a spread with it 
as well. Um, and then I do a triple cream um, um, with a sheet melt, and that's called Constance, named after my neighbor, because she's white and fluffy on the outside and creamy on the center. And, <laughs> Does she um, know you think of her this way? I'm sorry? Does she know you think of her this way? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> She's the town ambassador. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, And then then I do like 17 different cheeses with the cow milk. Um, We do a herder's curd. We smoke Uh it just very lightly. We do um, a salty feta. Um, We do a pressed mozzarella. We call it bangle cake because you can dress it up and accessorize it, you know. Sure, sure, sure. And then I do a stinky cheese called curmudgeon named after my other neighbor. And um, that's washed with a local brew. A little scotch ale, it seems, I'm looking at here. Right. Oh, and I forgot. um, I also do a... A Bannon style with the sheep milk. Oh, wow. That we use a pear brandy that's made locally here as well for that. Um, and then I do a, um, a chef style with the, the cow milk cheese. Um, I do fromage blanc uh, with the cow milk cheese. And we do three different kinds of brie's um, um, a traditional, a Valencia style. Um, and then I kind of mess with it a little bit every season. I kind of, you know, every couple of weeks I change it up a little bit. Like I put hay with one, sure. cocoa with another. Because uh, we work with um, small batches. We have a, which, which I didn't really realize the value of it until now working with it, is we do a 40-gallon pasteurizer vat. And then yeah. we have two other um, tip vats that are 60 gallons and then each. And so... We can have a lot of cheese mix going side by side, but it allows us the versatility to kind of change it up as we need to. Um, so it's not like we're kind of stuck with a 200-gallon vat and only making one kind of cheese. So well, yeah, you don't um, you don't sound like that kind. Of, that that's your way. I mean, for you, but that doesn't. I don't know you at all, but that doesn't sound like the the thing that would be interesting to you is doing that uh, massive vat of the same cheese over and over again. But No, no, it's, you know, it's part of the creative process. You know, yeah. it's kind of like working on a piece of sculpture. You yep. know, you just kind of let the process be organic. And so working smaller enables us to do that. Um, and so people have started to look forward to those cheeses that, you know, are just kind of a little bit different. So we have the standard, and then we just kind of shake it up a little that's fantastic. Now, uh, you sell. Where, who are your customers? Who do you sell your cheeses to? Uh, is it mostly mostly at the farmers markets or or, uh, or local uh, cheese shops? Or how how far away from Montana does your cheese go? Well, actually, we we are sending our first batch of cheese to New York City um, really? tomorrow. Um, our cheeses are being featured at Lucy's Way yep. in Uptown in Carnegie Hill. Oh, that's a great shop. And um, so she's, um, so our, our cheeses are now starting to go far and wide, but initially it was through farmer's markets, and um, it's just been so well-received, the cheeses, that um, we've been selling out <laughs> regular basis. Isn't that the is best? a good thing, and so we've upped our production, and now we're going wholesale, and um, we're in all the obvious places here in Montana, like the co-ops, yep. the good food stores, and um, and then we're branching out now in um, 
and now we'll be in New York. So um, I'm going to try to buy some that. of your cheese. I'm just going to warn you right now. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to get some if I if I possibly okay. can. Um, but I won't take it away from anybody else. I promise. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, yeah. So. Um, uh, so you we're focusing on the wholesale piece right now, and yeah. we still have winter farmers markets here in Montana yeah. um, going, and those are really popular in Bozeman and Missoula and Helena. So that sounds great. I am. Um, I got to say, I really enjoyed speaking to you today. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up, but um, uh, you know, I've learned a couple of great things. Uh, I learned about the biblical nature of uh, of, uh, <laughs> of uh, coming to be a cheesemaker. I learned that if I'm tired of people, I should move to Montana because there are a lot less of them there. Um, and uh, I also learned a valuable lesson about daylight savings time, that it uh, completely turns me into a zombie, which isn't cheese-related, but uh, completely did anyway. Um, Lark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and make sure, uh, those of you guys who have listened to the show, uh, to check out that cheese-making uh, uh, workshop. I'm sure it will be fantastic. And uh, to all our listeners, I want you to stay tuned next week for another episode of Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks so much. Hi. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 